You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, me gente? It's your boy, Omega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. And today, kiddos, what? We got a modern-day living legend, at least to me he is. He's been kicking ass for a long time in the business, doing some stuff. I mean, he's an author. He's a graphic novelist, a self-publisher. He's been working with the big boys, little boys, all, all types of kiddos up in the industry, just smashing it from left to right with Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, IDW, creator, all of them, I mean, Homie is a boss. Let me introduce the one, the only, Justin Gray. What up, kiddo? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I need to carry, you know, you need to hang out with me so I can just walk in rooms like that. That'd be great. Man, let me tell you, every comic creator I've hung out with, I have heard that at least once. Yeah. Like, I need you to be my hype man. Be my favorite flavor to my Chuck D, they tell yeah, it's me. It's like fight night up in here. And <laughs> <laughs> we're way fine over here. We are loving what you're doing, man, because you've been a beast in the industry. So it's an upfront thank you for entertaining me and all of us in your career thus far. And I can't wait to see what we have coming, especially with this awesome project that's right now on kickstarter bleeding pope i mean this is issue two you did issue one i mean dude you've created 20 kickstarter six of them were projects we loved i am look at you and that last issue was one of them and this one currently yeah this <laughs> one project we love today yeah I was so i mean check you out yo, you are murdering the scene so we're gonna get into all of that justin but but before we talk about the adventures you've had in that backyard of yours um Talk about your, your your origin story. Where you from? Where you OG from? Where you grew up? Um, I was, my father's in the Air Force. So I grew up all over the place. I lived between mm. Colorado, Texas, uh, and New York. I ended up in New York when I was nine. And then um, <clears throat> I left again and went to, back to Colorado, went to Seattle, worked in New Mexico, Alaska. Just kind of, oh, wow. yeah, I just kind of moved around a lot for, for quite a few years, which was a lot of fun. I kind of miss it. I, I, I moved six times in one year oh, you know when you don't have a lot of stuff yeah like when you don't have a lot of stuff and you just pick up and go somewhere and i oh, worked in man. restaurants so i could just roll through a town find a restaurant get a job oh and, the good old days you know yeah. now they want to have your blood tests and and, and and eye scans before they even hire you or yeah. talk to you they have oh, what is it four, four interviews nowadays five it's not wasting my time is it yes or no damn it <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure i can grill no matter how many times you want me to Come in and meet with someone right. else. Oh, my hands burned. Oh, my hands. Let me stop. All right. So was it easy for you then to find fandom growing up? Because you're moving around so much. You know, what was your, did you lead on to fandom as a young kid because of moving around so much? Just uh, be, you know, I found it because I was isolated. You know, I've talked wow. about this before. You know, I was, I was a latchkey kid and, um, you know, father wasn't really around that much. He was working and, you know, the parents were, uh, were always busy and stuff was going on. So I ended up like, Comics were like a, an escape for me. Mm, you and me both. Yeah. And that, that was Paul. He saw the covers for Bleeding Pope and he goes, they're amazing on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, okay. so I mean, I, I was like an introverted, shy kid and, and um, I found comics at a young age. Who? And th th was it mama, daddy? Was it friends? Did you happen to find it on a spinner rack at these magical 7-Elevens I hear of? I shoplifted some comics at some <laughs> point in my juvenile delinquency. 
Hey, um, I mean, I've been guilty. I remember exactly what I took too. My first stolen comic book ever was G.I. Joe Digest, Volume One. <laughs> I stole um, Stormtrooper <laughs> action figure and got the shit beat out of me. Oh, so what? Because I got oh. caught. And then they, I went home and it was like, you know, it's old school. So it's belt. Oh, yeah. It's leather belts. It's not like a stern talking to. Oh, yeah. And, it's, it's not time out. Let me take away your video games. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> it was corporal punishment. That's how we learned. Not to do stupid stuff. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I think we need this uh, nowadays. You know, get some kids straight. Some of them. Disrespecting little boogers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's okay. a whole other podcast, I think. So what did you latch on to when you, when you were, you know, discovering comics? Um, I, I latched on to Spider-Man and X-Men pretty much. I mean, those two things covered, like, a lot of ground. Spy was related to Peter Parker. You know, things didn't always work out the way he wanted them to work out. And he was, you know, kind of disrespected kid just trying to, you know, get ahead. And then, um, you know, as far as like feeling like, it, feeling like an outsider, I think the X-Men really gave me a sense of family and, and an idea of like, you know, a group of people could all be very different from each other yet all be the same and, you know, be good to each other. And, um, and yeah, that's where it started for me, you know, and, and obviously coming up, I was thinking I want to be the next person to do this and that. And, and uh, it didn't take long for me to realize I wanted to be doing my own thing. And, really? Um, okay. So yeah. let's talk about that then. I mean, uh, being that you said you were introvert, moving around, did you ever get to form a tribe or, or was the, you know, geekdom still a solo mission? It's weird. I never, it's really hard for me to explain. I didn't. I don't always seem to fit into the same kinds of groups. Like most of my friends, I have industry friends and creative friends, but a lot of the times I don't see them except at shows and <laughs> conventions and stuff. So you know, like the, every everyone else is kind of um, the con family. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like that. You know, when you don't see them for like six months or a year, and then you just pick right back up um, when you you know when you meet up again. I think that's just kind of how my brain operates. No, I love those relationships, maybe because that's also how I kind of deal with other things, too. I'll pick right back up as if we hung out yesterday, but it could yeah. have been last year. <laughs> well, I remember that was one thing, you know, Darwin Cook used to go back to Canada and take his cell phone and throw it in a drawer, close the drawer, and, and he didn't look at it again until he had to go do something. So I was like, <laughs> Damn. Where a lot of us are like that, where it was just like, you know, don't take it personal if I don't talk to you for this period of time, because... You know, as soon as you get back together, it's, you know, like you said, you just pick right back up where you left off. And plus, you guys are working. You guys got to create the next great big projects and IPs and all this stuff. So, you know what I mean? Hopefully. You're, you're busy. Hopefully, a creative man. journey. Yeah. Well, your journey is crazy, though. I mean, you've been doing some crazy stuff. So let's start stepping. Let's start walking into <laughs> Mr. Gray's feet here when you started diving in. And, and when you realize, really, the moment you said, shit, this is for me. I want this. Um, very early on, um, I made a quick determination that my drawing skills were not going to ever match what I saw in my head. How soon was that? <laughs> I don't know, like 14, I think. Okay. I was like, yeah, whatever. W w the trip from here to here is not, everything's not coming through. Um, it's not as fluid as I'd like. <laughs> right. I mean, if you asked me to draw a cat, I could draw it and you'll be like, okay, that's a cat. It may not be a good cat, but you know it's a cat. But gotcha. as far as like storytelling and, you know, there's, there's just, there's just no way. Okay, um, so, so I realized I wanted to start writing. Wonderful. And yeah. what type of steps did you take, or, or were you kind of trying to emulate the heroes that you grew up reading at first? Some of that, some of that. I think I, I think when I first started 
really considering writing, I was like deeply entrenched in heavy metal and Ooh. Savage Sword of Conan. Oh, oh my God! I just put them away. I just picked up three, three new ones. Oh, the Savage Old Schools. The earliest one being number sixty-seven. Yeah, is it the big magazine ones? Yes, of course. Yeah. Only ones I want. Only yeah. ones I want in my in my collection. I don't want no no, no phonies. <laughs> A lot, most of those are uncensored too. Which Dude, is great. Is what I'm saying. This is what mommy was putting me onto as a young child. She didn't know. So you That's... saw barbarians on the cover. Oh, okay, you might like this. Not knowing inside there was, you know, boobies galore. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome that your mom got you into it. That's great. Yeah, she she didn't mind. She saw I was just a good kid, like you and introvert, you know, especially in my earlier years. I didn't have a click until maybe I was 13, 14. I really we I really started being not afraid to share my sure. fandom. Oh, mm -hmm. I got this. And then all of a sudden, oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. Yo, I got these Joes. And then this thing, you know, it just turned into the, the you know, mm -hmm. a, a, a fandom church, if you will. Hallelujah. Sure. We found each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I dig it. All right. So, okay. So here you are taking the steps. So kind of when, what was the first serious step you took? Um, It wasn't until I st I, I, I wanted to do comics and I was really into comics. And then like halfway through high school, all of a sudden girls started to realize I existed. So I kind of ah. isolated my comic thing, you know, and, and, uh, and then it was, college, a, it was just Justin. Yo, Justin. Yo, yeah. what's up, baby? What you need? Hey, put me hide in the comic book behind him. Yeah. It's what like, you, put those over mean? there and, you know, I'm still reading them and I'm still, and I'm still like methodically categorizing them and making sure that they're always in order. <laughs> Um, being OCD about that, and um, you and me both, kid. Uh, I, I just did my whole shit like, like two weeks ago. Yeah. Everything is, and there's no way you cannot find something. <laughs> That's the worst thing, too, when you can't find it. Then you're like, oh, I get a heart attack. I get yo, listen, yeah. I put my sh I'm meticulous. Mm. If, if something's out of place, who touched it? <laughs> right, who, who, <laughs> I get mad, yo, do not play with my order. Um, so. Uh, I got back into it more seriously um, when Robinson and Harris were doing Starman. That kind of brought Ooh. me back on board. I mean, I'd done some stuff, and I, you know, I, I I was living in Colorado. I drove to Denver, and and Neil Gaiman was doing a signing, so I was at that. And the Extreme oh, nice. Team was there. All those guys there, Eric Stevenson. Ooh. He was, uh, yeah, a young fella, and. Um, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, I went in and out of it. But as far as writing, like I went through a heavy stage of, um, you know, angsty 20 something Bukowski. Beat <laughs> I wanted to do poetry. I was living in Seattle during the grunge thing. And yeah, I want, I was like <laughs> really on board with that whole thing. And then I slowly started trying to get comics together. And I, you know, immediately run into the same problem everyone runs into, which is trying to find people to work with if you can't draw. Mm. you know and then you have no money and then you figure out how to make that you know make that work and um but when i started i was like i would not recommend doing half of the stuff i did just because i think it really wouldn't work right now but like <clears throat> i okay. i Day got whole, tactics folks <laughs> it is like uh when i was in seattle uh, they were gonna do emerald city con and uh, jim shooter was gonna come out jim mm. shooter being a big basketball fan and at that time seattle had the supersonics uh, which they don't anymore, sadly. And you could get tickets, you know, pretty easily. So I was like, hmm, what if I get tickets and offer tickets to Jim Shooter and try and pitch him at a Seattle? Oh, yeah, you didn't. I tried. I mean, he didn't take me up on it. I don't blame oh. him. Like, 
can you imagine what a nightmare that would be for most people? To be like, you know, if you get stuck at a basketball game with someone who's bonkers, just in your ears. Is, and about yeah. my, I'm trying to watch the effing game. <laughs> yeah, like the Marriott bar at seven o'clock at night. But, um, yeah. So, you know, then I would do stuff like that. And, and I realized at a certain point, if I was going to try and get into comics or any kind of publishing, I was going to have to move east. Okay. So I drove from Colorado, I was from Seattle to Colorado, and then Colorado all the way back to, I went to Boston first because I had never what? lived in Boston. You so drove walked, that? You drove cross country, essentially. Oh, like three times I've driven across. Probably, what? probably more. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Shit, I, I died going from, from up north to down south. <laughs> you know what's funny, too? It's like I had never gotten in any trouble, like moving violations, speeding tickets, or anything. As soon as I left New York, it was like all the rules were different. You know? Like, you know, in New York, they don't pull you over unless you're like shooting out the window or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, yeah. or, or you look like me, because let me tell you, I was getting right. stopped for no damn reason. I swear to God. And like, how come my car go from zero to 80 in one block in the Bronx? Impossible, officer. You were speeding. It's impossible. My car cannot go zero to 80. And, to, and I, you know, and everybody was like, just shut up, Alan. Just take, eat, eat the ticket. You know, end of the month, quota time. They're not going to listen. Right. I mean, some old lady was about to ask him a question. And a homie was like, went to his side piece. It was like, step back, step back, lady. I'm like, yo, she's an old lady. He's like, shut up. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a horrible reality that still yeah. doesn't seem to be getting any better. No, but. it doesn't. And you're so right about the, the laws, though, because when we went from New York to Connecticut, you know, there's some changing... Uh, lane laws there that we were unaware of, and, and my wife kind of cut off a sheriff in that rally. Right. <laughs> he says, "You look, I'm not going to give you a ticket for this, but I will give you a ticket for that." Uh, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Cheaper. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because, like, you think you know, everyone has these kinds of experiences. I mean, even I was in um, Montana. You know, and they, I got look, moss strangers. You know, like, this, <laughs> yeah. I, Looking at me like, yes, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a straight up Brooklyn raised kid, dude, you know, and then you know, North Northeast, then Mass, you know, Rhode Island, and now right. I'm in Orlando, you know, the, the the sixth borough of New York right now, the way it seems because everybody's from up north, yeah, but yeah, it's wild here, I'll tell you that it's wilder here than I expected it to be. Did you go? And to I've COVID seen Con? things. What happened? Did you just go to COVID Con? Oh, apparently I did, and I, and I had that too. Thank you, uh, thank you to Ethan, uh, the creator, because uh, I think he was the one that when he get, when, when he said, "Oh, oh nice to meet you," he gave me a hug. Oh shit! Uh, thank you, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, I was fucked up last week, Justin. I, I was heard a lot cold. of people got it. I'm in Florida, ninety degree weather outside, and I'm freezing. You understand me? I'm shiv- yeah. I am wearing a hoodie, a hoodie, and ninety degree weather outside you know for a moment i was like yo i need to get air i can't you know i i, I stand in front of my porch please i i can't yeah. <laughs> but you know and within a week i felt great that all i really got was cold and hungry mm. well, that's I was, good I was starving bro i was starving bro i ate half a tray of lasagna myself call me garfield <laughs> and my wife that's makes tremendous. it so good i can't help it come on now mm. That's one of my favorite things to make for sure. Well, shit, but Justin, Justin and I are gonna have to hang out one day, folks. It's gonna be lasagna, some beer, and comic books. All right. Yep. And That's I want to do uh, Orlando Con again. I want to do MegaCon. Yeah, yeah, you have to. It is. Listen, not for nothing. It was a great show. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of great creators of everyone. I mean, every creator I spoke to, Justin, spoke very highly of the show, just saying how enthusiastic everyone was. You know, they were, they were making their money back by day two. No, oh, that's great. You know, so that means Saturday, Sunday, straight profit. Yep. I mean, you know, great things to hear. So please do, because I would have loved to have met you and, and, and share it in, in the vid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But no, I don't want. I don't want to get that. No, no, you don't want to get it. it. You know, even though, I, like my wife said, well, you're lucky because everybody gets it different. I say, yeah, you know, thank God. Um, I think my shots may have helped. You know, uh, honestly speaking, with that. So, sure. um, so okay, so here you are. You're taking creative steps, right? Yep. You know, to get into the business. Now you say you're here. You're trying to build a team because obviously you're not an artist. Early on, you're doing things now. Um, I'm just trying to get noticed. I'm just trying to get someone's attention and. You know, I'm giving uh, sample stuff, which is dumb because you can't really give people samples because, number one, they get lost. They have so much stuff to carry around. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and it's dangerous. You're giving out original ideas, kiddo. Sometimes, yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't begrudge them, but, you know, you can't just be handing stuff to people anyway. Like I handed something to a creator one time and, I, you know, we, he happened to be ahead of me when we walked outside of the con. I didn't realize until I watched him throw my thing in the garbage. What? No, it's it's fine. It was actually a very good. Oh, scumbag though. Nah, yeah. bro. You lucky I wasn't. What's, you gonna, your... <laughs> what's he gonna do? Like, you know. If I was one of your boys there, though, I'd be I'd be right back, Justin. I'll take it out the garbage, sir. You dropped something. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm one of those. Like, wait a yeah. minute. You ain't Mustard gonna do that. Cockroaches on I, it. It, it, it. Just... Do that shit in your house. Don't do it there. Yeah. You know, because you never know who's watching, and I think that that's you know that that could hurt a, a potential creator's you know um, feelings. You never know. I mean, you. I mean, you you're a rough brother. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta like, get that stuff under your, you know, you gotta build that stuff up fast because it's all, it's a whole lot of rejection all the time. Mm. You know, it's not like, you know, you're the wonderkin. They walk in and they're like, Oh my God, where have you been? You know, you're now, <laughs> top of, you're now writing everything for everyone at the highest level. Um, you know, it doesn't, I, I, I don't even know how someone could do that. Right. Either. I mean, that, 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 you know, you're tearing your mind apart. And then how about yourself and your own mental health and your own projects, you know? Because again, you know, when you start working for the man and, you know, they own everything you do, I don't think that's a very good feeling. I mean, it's nice to get noticed, but it's not a good feeling, right? You're like, damn. Yeah. And you kind of, who cares about it? That stuff should be, you know, I mean, they should be teaching that. You know, they should have been teaching it right away. You know, like, you, like, you know, they, you just go in, you're starry eyed. I mean, I learned real quick that, my perception of working in comics and the reality of working in comics, there was a huge gap. Oh, so was it a complete 360 when you finally got in and you saw the other side? Well, it was more like, you know, my, my I had romanticized mm. the whole thing. You know, Stan sold us this dream, you know, the bullpen and all these brilliant people working all the time. And, and it's just a nonstop party, you know, but it's a job. It's business like anything else, you know, and you have to you have to realize that and there's office politics and there's hierarchies and there's personalities involved. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I was just kind of naive, but quickly yeah. I was like, Oh, this is not exactly what I thought it was. Uh, it's not that it's not fun. It's not that I didn't enjoy myself, but you know, I can see why there were a lot of people during the course of when I was coming up that were like crashing against the rocks and self-destructing mm. and, and, um, okay. you know, being disappointed in things so what was those first opportunities like when you finally got in um it was again things i don't recommend people doing like um <laughs> <laughs> I, I i at first you know the internet 
you know, although, you know, it's since become, you know, a cesspool of hatred and division, uh, there was a time when it was like a gateway to people you would never be able to talk to Mm -hmm. on a casual basis. And what had happened is I started talking to comic creators online, like, and, you know, with, and I started talking to Joe Casada, and I started, you know, we're talking to other artists. And did you see today? Excuse no. me on that, but Joe Q, you know, he's saying goodbye to Marvel as of Is today. No, yeah, he shared this on on Twitter, a, a whole beautiful letter saying thanks to everyone. But yeah, yo, thank you, Joe Q, for what you've done. Yeah, Joe was there for a long time. Did a lot yeah, of that's what I'm saying. Several decades, and he has something coming up, and and, and some indie, you know, creator own projects. I suppose he kind of teased so. No, good for him. Yeah, I mean, he's he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. So uh, you know, that's I, a good position to be in. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, uh, can I say the same about you? Because you're murdering it. I mean, you've been in the business yourself for a minute. Yeah, but he was working corporate. Disney, <laughs> too, so I'm not getting those corporate checks. I'm not getting that. Uh, not yet. Now. Not yet. Don't do it. You know, great corporate will be sending you those dollars too, making it rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'm, I'm more like legacy for my daughter, like trying to leave stuff for her to like, oh. you know, to do what, you know, whatever. Happens, oh, happens. and you're a girl daddy too. Well, salute, so am I. My, <laughs> my baby just graduated college. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. You're the first, the first one of the family. She's murdering it in graphic design. So. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's uh, just about to wrap up year one of high school. So we'll see. Ooh. Nice. It's a transitory period. It's been very interesting. Oh, have you had the moment yet where a, a boy comes to the house a, a, asking for her? No. Okay, that, that happened to me in Massachusetts, and I, I, I scared the living bejesus out of the poor kids. So. <laughs> but you know, being male, that doesn't stop us. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm just being a protective daddy because he comes over sure. on Father's Day trying to talk about if she wants to hang out. Mm. I don't like, bro. Where's your dad? That's <laughs> a lot, like, lot of need awareness. Need <laughs> the room, right? You need chill with your dad today, not my daughter. All right, right. get out of here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, right. Listen, but uh, I gotta do what I gotta do. You, you can't just come ring my bell talking about where's so and so. First of all, hello. Who are you? Right. Very rude of you not to introduce yourself. <laughs> Show yeah, me some, you. show me respect, homie. I would have treated you better. <laughs> sure, we could have that. Where are they teaching these kids today? Conversation, but, but yeah, yeah, throwing our fists in the air like the open. Yeah. I mean, me, it looks worse because I have the white hair. So, uh, you know. <laughs> um, all right, so you, you you work and you romanticize this thing, so, right? So, what was those first you know few jobs like for you stepping in? Um, well, what I did initially is I was interning at Marvel Knights. I sort of worked my way into that position. I mean, I wanted to write. That was it. That was my whole thing. So I didn't, I didn't really know much about what making comics was. Um, I didn't bother to try and learn all that stuff. I was just like, I'm going to do this. (laughs) I'm a writer. (laughs) I mean, well, sometimes that serves me very well. Other times, you know, I, you know, I got, it's like running into a plate glass window. Um, (laughs) Like you, you're going and you can't see that what you're going to run into. Oops. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, it was interesting. You know, I was like getting ranch one for Joe Casada and and his wife, you know, getting people lunch, making photocopies. And I, I might have been one of the last people to take a Marvel comic to the um, Comics Code Authority office. What? Really? Yeah. That was, wait, they had an actual office? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Get out of here. 
It was weird. Was the, it was, was the door the whole stamp? <laughs> no, no, it was. I I wouldn't have. You wouldn't have noticed. You know, like a buildings in Manhattan. It's just like a building. You go on one floor. There's a yep. glass partitioned window. You know, and there's that woman from Monsters Inc. Hand me the paper. I'll hand <laughs> me back the paper. Have a good day, Wazowski. You know, so that was really oh, it. Like you couldn't. There's no magic happening there. So I'm again. I'm like, there's no magic. It's but just, you handing them a book. You hand them like blue lines, which were the okay. pre press. Um, did, did you get that book. back, or do they actually retain that? No, they mark it up and they send it back. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so so they like, don't retain anything because I was about to say these people have the the biggest hustle to have the largest comic book collection ever. No, no, it's not even comic. It's just basically like the blue line. It's all blue prints. Okay. Um, and it's just oh, okay, paper. Okay. Um, put together so it's not a finished book so that's all they need to see and to approve at least then yeah because i mean that is the comic it's just okay. not the four color printed and bound comic so what if you wind up you know doing the color comic and you drew the middle area you know too skinny i mean <laughs> oops i mean things have happened obviously you know there's been instances where words have shown up in comics that weren't supposed to be there but Oh, yeah. no, it was I've always enjoyed because I almost take sometimes when I read I almost start re taking an editor approach to see how many errors can I spot in this comic book. No, because I I mean if they they have to be pretty <laughs> obvious. What I do notice is like websites where like you know like prestigious websites and yeah. I'm like who who spell checks this or who does the grammar on this? If I'm noticing it, it's bad because my grammar is horrible. Oh, mine's horrible too. And I I really do try my best. I need I need extra eyes team too to you know double check. But yeah, sometimes I find it. The only guy I do not fix is Johnny because he is from the UK, so he writes in mm -hmm. you know old English, if you will. So American English says it's an error, <laughs> but it's not really right. So you know I give him the benefit of the doubt. I said all right, but I'll let you write like you so that we we could sound like Simon Cowell when we read uh, your reviews. <laughs> you. You want to use a U in color? Go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh man! All right. So, uh, uh, so you start smashing it though. So you know, you you start having these successes though, right? Because you know, you well, actually it wasn't romanticized, but you start moving along a lot of publishers. Well, time. it was. Um, you know, I I can't work in an office, and I don't really. I'm not an office person. I don't. Mm. You know, I worked as I said in restaurants, and the thing that is always, hey Dwight, how's it going? Dwight's man? the man, yo. Dwight's the man, yo. I, I call him and his lady the Jay Z and Beyonce of independent comics, yo, because they're a power couple smash. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they, aren't they? Yep. Um, oh, so this is the thing that gets me about corporate culture and and stuff like that because I came up um, in the service industry and doing blue collar stuff, and when you're working in a restaurant, yeah, you um, if you screw up, everybody knows it's you. Like you can't <laughs> turn around and blame anyone else or say you didn't get the hamburgers in time or, you know, the shipment didn't come. Like it's you, like you burnt something or you sent something out raw or whatever. It's, it's mm. you. Um, so I grew up in a very hostile environment where it was competitive oh, all the time. You know, like we, the, one of the things I used to love is we'd get graduates from uh, the Culinary Institute of America and I would just be frothing at the mouth to like, to crush them. Because <laughs> spent all that money on that education, you know. So, like, I'm like, all right, here we go 700 dinners, <laughs> you know, Ooh. Bring 700 plates off the line, and just watch them like fry. <laughs> and, um, I was Ruth, I was terrible in my 20s, so just oh my god, it's like, yo, what was the what's the guy from the chef that's horrible, too? I would have been on that show for sure. <laughs> okay, oh, I asked for medium rare. <laughs> I love that guy. 
But yeah. I mean, I mean, who's a better entrepreneur than him? How many TV shows does that guy have? Yeah, he's he, massive. He makes yeah. TV shows on vacation with his friends. I'm like, that's a racket. He's got it mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. I don't even mm-hmm. I should look up what his net worth is, but it's probably astronomical. All we gotta do is come on, let's get comic cool, let's get streaming together, and we start help, you know, get 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 the great restaurants going, you know, comic book themes and all that good stuff. That's you it. know, like I eat monsters, you know, and, and every hero is named after a monster. And every yeah, every every meal that comes out. That's been a lot of fun doing those covers. But yeah, so I mean Jimmy Jimmy brought me in and and you know, what did you meet Jimmy? Of- what was what's the what's the origin story of that bromance? Because I seen that you've worked with Jimmy extensively. So it's like, yeah, what's the story of, of that bromance right there? How, how'd you meet Jim? I met Jimmy through Joe because I was talking to Joe online and they invited me to meet them in the city one night. We went to some Is bar. this the times they were doing Ash and all that stuff? This was right when they were taking over Marvel Knights. Oh, oh, they okay. Just taken over Mar- they were lining up. Kevin Smith was working on stuff. Priest was working on stuff. Paul Crazy. Jenkins. What an um, era. Yeah, all that stuff was going on. And um, that was right at the point in which I sort of fell into that thing. And, and um, I don't know, Jimmy and I got along really well. I met Amanda at that point in time. And, 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 um, and Amanda at the time was just a, a friend, right? Not even his lady, right? At that time? No, she was his girlfriend at the oh, time. Oh, she was his girlfriend? Okay, yeah, okay. I think so. Jimmy been pimping for a minute. Gotcha. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a true love story for sure. I mean. No, they're awesome. I see them, man. Yeah. Again, well, I call Dwight and Elle the, the – uh, Jay Z and Beyonce of indie. I mean, you know, right now, uh, Jimmy and Amanda are like comic book royalty amongst you know the big two premiere. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do uh, find themselves doing a lot of fun stuff for sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I was up at Marvel Knights work with them, and I, I I was you know talking to Jimmy a lot and bouncing a bunch of ideas off him, and um, oh. eventually I just you know I couldn't I, I, I couldn't deal with the office thing and. Um, I was making mistakes because I had never done anything before. So I didn't know okay. all the ins and outs. It was very like everything was just like in front of me and I had to like scramble to try and do things. So, so there I was no up, guidance, guidance hmm? kind of, there was no guidance for you or they expected you to kind of figure it out. You know, it's New York. You got to figure it out or you know, <laughs> fake it till you make it, baby. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that combined with the fact, I mean, all I really, I wanted to do was write, and you know, I would, I would go in and, um, pitch the editors and they were just they would humor me but they never had any intentions of um oh. giving me a gig or anything i have a fun story I, I i was on a panel with paul jenkins and i told a paul jenkins story in front of paul jenkins and he was like i had no idea that happened and i was like i'm like, uh. I, don't, like I don't care like i've learned not to have <laughs> not to let those things get to you because it just happens yeah like, you know, if somebody did something maliciously, believe me, I checked that in the back of my head and I got that all worked out. It'll get taken care of in time. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to risk other things to worry about someone else's issue that I have with them or whatever. Like, but for I the most you. part, I just let it all go because what, what am I going to do? Otherwise, you get like, you think the whole world's against you or you start playing the victim on everything and it just doesn't work out. So you got to realize that bad stuff's going to happen and things are unfair all the yeah. time. I always tell my daughter, I'm like, life's not fair. It's just not meant, you know, it's never going to be fair. You're just going to try and figure out the best ways to navigate it and everything else. You're going to have your moments where everything seems like, wow, I'm unstoppable. And then you're going to have those roadblocks <laughs> all of a sudden. Like, you're like drowning. Oh, you smack. Know. What the hell am I doing? I've yeah. been there. I mean, look, Justin, you know, I don't know how much older you are than I or, or younger, rather, but 
you know, I've been through it. So yeah, I've sure. been on that road. I know what it is. Like to be high, 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 boom. And this yeah, industry is still small. So I mean, like, if they don't, yeah, if you don't know the person, you know of the person, and someone else you know knows the person, and it's just kind of like, you know, it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with every creator. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Eventually, if you're a bad guy, it's going to come out. Maybe it takes a little longer than it should, but you know that's how it goes. So I try not to. I try and realize that nobody's going to hand me anything. And there so you I'll, I'll take my but you've been working and it shows because I mean, yeah. even in 2019, you were part of an Eisner nominated and Ringo award winning Where We Live anthology. Yeah. I mean, you've been doing things. Um, JH Williams reached out to me about that and I told a true story in that story thing because, oh, you the, did? yeah, I used to work for a victim's assistance program, wow. not for profit. And um, we salute to you. I, I was just sharing some mental health stuff this morning for people, you know, called the, the prevention line. There's so many things going on in the world, and so many people need to talk, and they're so um repressed. So like, don't, don't, don't keep yourselves in, folks. Talk, please. Definitely look, you know, the help is out there. It is, you can be brave enough to just ask for some. There's someone out there that will give it to you and not make you feel like you're a lesser person for asking because there's no reason not to ask because there's someone out there that will help you and doesn't doesn't want anything other than to help you. There's a lot of people who say they want to help you and don't, but you just yeah. got to work your way through that stuff. And yeah, I mean, I worked for, yeah, I had to deal with victims of crime, whether it was mm. like I got mugged on the street or, or oh, much harder things to talk about. And oh, uh, I can't imagine, but so, uh, my wife watches 911. And sometimes when, you know, I know it's a show, but you, you hear the calls they take. I'm like, I can't do this job. I'll be stressed, son. Yeah. I care. I care too much. Yo. I put my I wear my heart on my sleeve, to be honest. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be crying every every day after work. Holy shit, bro. Oh, yeah. I, I had to I had to leave the job. We, we were doing like a um like a three week seminar on rape. And I got like three days into what? that. And I was just like, as a, I, oh, my God, I cannot, especially as a girl, daddy. Woo. You, you got to watch no these videos. Like you got to watch. There's. <laughs> There's a nope. training video where a girl with Down syndrome was raped by a football what? team. And what? Like, yeah. And I'm like, I can't. I would want to go through the screen and tear the heads off myself. Yeah. It was. I can't do that. I mean, this is years ago. I don't, I don't know, know how people could do that. that. But no, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely colors your vision of humanity when you are, you know, when you're working in like the worst part of Yonkers and. I mean, Yonkers isn't even Brooklyn, Whoa. right? So it's not. That's what's crazy. <laughs> Whoa! Steroids, you know, Yonkers yeah, yeah. on steroids. But um, yeah, so it, it makes great stories. It makes it makes it easier for me to write certain things and like pull up because that's how yeah. I, that's how I write. I draw on emotion. I would say it's like the Kaminsky method where I'm I'm trying to draw on my own experiences and then sort of apply them to a situation with the characters. Wow. Um, so. And that's why we connect with your writing, because you're bringing your heart into it. Fantastic. So I want to start talking about this dope project here, because you got, you know, Bleeding Pro uh, Comics, right? You got I Eat Monsters. Yeah, I Eat Monsters is a feature story in that. Yo, which is fire. And even the backup feature, I was, I'm hooked. So we're going to be talking all about that, because, folks, let me show you this awesome trailer, and then I'm also going to Start popping up the Kickstarter because we need to make it rain on Gray's Parade here for real on uh, all that money that he need to make this happen. So check out I Eat Monsters 2 trailer. <laughs> 
my god did you see that yo i mean you're sweating like oh my god that looks gorgeous it's great i love this character introducing number one you got some sicknesses going on here folks yo, this is a kickstart i'm gonna keep sharing that right there and i'm also gonna bring up but boom folks look at that sexy bleeding pope kickstart i mean homie with 15 days ago was seeking uh 10 racks he has 16. Yeah. Woo! Thank you to Yo. all the backers. Uh, amazing. You got 477 backers. I think that's the most I've seen since McFarlane spawned stuff on a project. Like, yo, you are murdering it. So we're on yeah. our way. There's definitely some people who are doing better. Um, some people we know, some people I've known forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy with you know moving this thing forward. And the thing about it is, is that the more we can raise, the more I can do on three and four and you oof, know oof, oof, half please, of, yes half of Preach. three is already done I, you know i can go out and um you know it just it, it gives me more leverage with what kind of covers i can do with what you know with what kind of stories i can tell um so i'm just talk keeping it forward talk to me brother for those that are not in the know what is your synopsis or elevator pitch for bleeding pulp comics it is, you know, throwback comics. I was doing Spicy Pulp, which is more sci-fi. Oh, um, I saw that too. Hey, I, I'll probably get in trouble for that one, though. <laughs> it's not, it's not as bad as you would, you know, as as implied. But so I was doing Spicy Pulp, and I wanted to do a, a creature feature monster mashup um, pulp book because they're they're fun. I mean, all through all through the uh, leading into the pandemic during the pandemic, I was just working on stuff and I wanted it to be fun. I wanted people to escape reality and thank that's you. largely what these books do is they Goal achieved. You know, sometimes they're fun just to be fun. Sometimes they're, you know, more dramatic. Um, but like you saw with the trailer, I had no intention of making the trailer that way. It just came to me as I was in there. All of a sudden yeah. it's funny that the monsters were delicious and she has that look on her face. And I was like, all right, well, Oh yeah, well, talk about a look of satisfaction that most men haven't seen from a lady in many years. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that one night, um, you know, she's got four other brothers, and they're you know all fighting with each other and being brotherly, and she wishes she had a sister. And one of the brothers really messes up the other one, so the parents have to take him to get stitches. Yeah, it reminds and, me of uh, my, my, my brothers and I. Right, so, you know, there. just a bunch of boys <laughs> and one sister, like, stuck with these guys, you know. And, of course, they, just the sister, by proxy, becomes a lot stronger than she normally would because she's got to deal with all these boys all the time. And um, she checks them all. <laughs> right. So she, you know, she has to get left to watch the ones, to, to watch the other three brothers while the fourth one goes into the hospital. And while she's watching them, this monster comes out from underneath the bed and just starts savagely killing her brothers. And she tries to fight the monster, but she doesn't have any weapons. She doesn't have anything. She just has her teeth. So she bites the monster. And then she realizes that there's something about eating a monster that suddenly changes her. So it gives her more strength, more courage. And it tastes um, like kisses. <laughs> so she's, you know, driven to try and kill this thing. She's enraged that she's had to watch her brothers get killed. And, um, of course, the monster escapes and she gets blamed for it because she's the only one there that's, you know, unscathed except for well, who's going to believe that? Hey, um, there was this thing in here and it just murdered all of them. And I try to save them. I even bit one and uh, just didn't work. Yeah. They're just like, you know, she, so she gets, you know, 
as the story goes on, she will, you know, you know, it's tough. She gets psychological problems. She gets, you know, thrown in foster homes and juvenile detention centers. And, and we sort of follow this thing of, of why this happened, because it makes no sense to her. And she spends a period of time looking for these things, but never finds any of them. And mm-hmm. in issue two, she runs into this masked man um, that proves to her once and, a while, once and for all that the monsters are real by showing her one. Wow. And by showing her one, it summons more because it's a baby. And so while she's munching on the baby. Oh, sudden, man. She's just months. messed up. <laughs> That's the thing, too. I you ain't my to, child. <laughs> that's it. I, I wanted to have a sense of, of, of we become what we eat. You know, that, mm. you know, there's a, a point in which she is dealing with, am I becoming a monster? Am I, am I losing my humanity because of what has happened? Not this only to me. Ain't emotionally, no way. physically, but I don't eat sushi, bro. So there ain't no way I'm biting raw into a monster and like chewing, you know, gracefully. Well, that's the beauty of comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I would, I would literally gag and die. Yeah. Um, and great design, character design too. Let me tell you. Look at this. And what does the word though, bleeding pulp, mean to you? Um, I wanted it to be, you know, to get across the two things. One, it was going to be horror. It was going to be gory. It was going to be um, mm. monsters and, you know, sc- scary stuff. But it was also going to be pulpy in, you know, in a pulp fiction kind of way where it doesn't necessarily, you know, we're not going to sit here and break down the laws of physics. And again, <laughs> eating, eating a monster raw doesn't give you superpowers in the real world. I get it. But yeah. for the purposes of just escapist fantasy fun and, and sort well, of. Well, was this. Wait a minute. I got to stop you there, though, because we haven't had a monster show up on this scale. Whether or not it could give us powers is only speculation. We don't know that. Well, you can so see. So we can't say no and we can't say yes. Right. <laughs> Allegedly, it won't give you powers. Right. <laughs> until, until I try one, because I do eat sushi. So I'm... Hey, can I bite your ass, monster? <laughs> Just give me one minute. Let me see if this works. Well, I also like the idea that monsters try and eat you, so it would be funny if you tried to eat them back. So, Yo, bro, I always think about that with zombies. What if I bit you? Although I'm not into raw meat like that. Right. So, I, you know, uh, the world is not for me. I will die. <laughs> well, that's how we hit on some of the covers, too. I wanted to do, like, Look fun. at that. That's gross, bro. I mean, what are they eating? An alligator from Florida? <laughs> are they eating Killer Croc? <laughs> oh, he'd be in trouble. He'd be in trouble for sure. Killer Croc is so dead <laughs> and tasty. Oh man, it tastes like chicken. I don't want to understand. Sewer chicken. I mean, look at that face. Killer Killer Croc would go running when she, he would see that face. So explain to me the the, the protagonist, though. I mean, Annabelle is an yes. interesting character. She's you know she's dealing with all this psychological trauma of not being able to save her brothers. So she's been kind of self-destructive for the past 17 years after the incident. So how old was she during the incident? She's about nine. So this is 17 years, the latter. She's in her uh, late 20s. 20s now. Yeah. Okay. She's in her 20s. She's in Thailand. She's just doing crazy stuff, like entering eating contests where there are illegal eating contests where they would eat poisonous things and for money and oh, see yeah. who survives. And no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. she's she's you know she's trying to get that feeling back and trying to Justin, get is that experience because i know you've traveled the world i mean did you go to food eating contests like this or something no i mean i've eaten things that i probably 
shouldn't have eaten. <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah. No, mommy, I swear I didn't eat that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just I wanted to do something who was different. So she's also she's also you know from Alabama, and she has a different attitude about the world. She has a different cadence, and mm. um, there's just a lot of fun stuff that goes on with that. And you know, fighting monsters is always fun. And what about building the team behind this? Because look at this beautiful. I love seeing those thick black lines in comics, but that's what makes it feel like a comic. You know, like I'm uh, I'm viewing something very special, you know, specifically towards comics. I mean, look at this, just three panels right here. The, yep. You know, this gold mecca. Then you see this beautiful city. That reminds me so much of Times Square. You're making me miss it. Mm-hmm. And, and then we got two ladies kicking each other's ass. What's popping? We have um, Roy Silveira and... Thiago Brandao or Thiago. I don't know if I say his name properly. Thiago. Hey, yeah. He's not Spaniard. Thiago. Thiago. <laughs> They're from Brazil, both of them. And um, yeah, I have a great relationship with those guys. Like we talk oh, all dope. the time. And we How have, you, you met? Know, hmm? How you met? How did I meet? I saw um, Rui's artwork. He was doing something for Felipe Cagno. On oh, I know Felipe. Pixar. Yeah. 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 So he was doing, um, I think it was a postal, um, his Western, Felipe's Western series. Mm. There was a postal carrier storyline and I saw uh, Roy's artwork. So I sent him an email and I was like, you know, what are you doing? And at the time he was working on a Brazilian Netflix show called Super Drag. And he said he had a buddy he would like to have color his stuff. Okay. So, um, you know, I got the together with those guys and we did um, the last two issues of Spicy Bowl. We did Spicy Bowl five and six Lady Redbeard story together. Hey. And, you know, we get we get along really well. Like I said, like we talk about stuff all the time. That's not even comics related. Like we know about each other's families and we like, like check in on each other all the time. Yeah, boys. That's the rap. That's the rap right there. Yeah, family. But I like to be able to. You know the artists I work with. You know I like to if you know if we can establish a relationship, then that's you know that's a very important component of creative life because I think so. Everyone, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got stuff going on in their lives, you know, and and like I tell everyone I work with, like family comes first because stuff happens all the time, you know. And they're like, "I'm sorry, this happened." I'm like, "You don't have to apologize to me. Just tell me, and we'll, you know, you take care of what you have to take care of, and then we'll get back to this comics thing." You know, yep. when everyone's okay. Yes. But, um, yeah, so they did the artwork for the last two Lady Redbeard chapters, last Lady Redbeard story. And um, we were talking about doing a project together. And I rediscovered this project as I was going through old emails. He said rediscovered. What do you mean? Yeah. So this was an old thought brought back. Yeah, to this life. is a, I wrote down a log line. I don't know. I don't even know how long ago, maybe at least six, seven years ago. What? And it was, I looked at it and it was, it was, I eat monsters, but it was more like, um, I was doing like an adult version of Ghostbusters and I was reading it and I'm like, there was this Ghostbusters, whatever. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, like, wait, I'm like, all of a sudden I thought about this character of Annabelle and taking the story in a completely different direction. Um, but keeping the basic premise of, of eating monsters as a means of, um, what makes the character unique. Yeah. Um, so I was like, listen, I got this. And I sat down and I wrote like 48 pages of script like in one go. 
What? And I was like, in one go, bro, you yeah, were inspired, not... son. Because well, I, I don't write scripts the way I used to write them. I don't, I don't write them all like super detailed, like you would for, um, like I would for DC. Okay. So I was like, this happens and that happens. You know, you give them a script and I'm like, <laughs> inter- like this page is this, this page. And I started doing that Stanley Jack Kirby thing where it was kind gotcha. of just saying. Here, go run with this. Did you film videos too, acting it out so, uh, from the sofa and you're taking a dive? This is how I need to look. <laughs> yeah, but I will, I will research stuff that I want to do and I'll look for camera angles and I sometimes will do um, my stick figure versions of things. Uh, um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a stick figure version cover of um, Standstill 6, which I'm still proud of because because Branko got it right away. He was like, oh, I know what you're doing here. And I was oh, like, nice. And, yeah, yeah. It, and I was like, it's exactly what I wanted to do, but couldn't do it. You know, I got my little stick figure doing his thing. And- so when are we going to get the Tustin Gray stick figure action book? <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. Here's yeah. my Here are my preliminary thumbnail sketches of what this book's going to be about. Bro, why not? But all in thumbnail, act, all in stick figure action? Hell yeah, bro. But, you know, I... It depends. Everyone's different. Like, and there's like a growing period with people when you're dealing with artists and you want to find their strengths and weaknesses. Cause I learned a lot. I probably learned more from working on Jonah Hex for DC comics than I did from any other Ooh, thing really? I did in comics because every artist was different. Okay. Um, so, you know, we'd be writing stuff either specifically for that artist or writing stuff in conjunction with, wow. How with do you write artwork. specifically for an artist? I mean, what are you looking at when you say you write specifically for an artist? That's interesting. All right. So um, the first ever Jonah Hex thing that, that Jimmy and I did with Darwin Cook, I wanted to bust his balls. So I was going to do, it was going to be snowing because it's Canada. And of course, he's like, it doesn't always snow in Canada. <laughs> yes, it does. Don't lie to me. It always snows it's in the north. That's it. <laughs> You know, and then I wanted to do because because of Darwin's different styles. I wanted to do one of those old timey, like nineteen fifties boys magazines in the wilderness type oh, stories. Yeah. And you know, and have it have that kind of feel, like you know, lost yeah. in a snowstorm. What will little Davy do? You know, except it's going to hack some. Little Davy's going to freeze his ass off. That's exactly. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to die. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be a very short story, and he's going to be a popsicle at the end. Page um, one, he's walking. Page two. He looked, asked for mommy, page three, he's dead. <laughs> three page story, but I'm like, eating his frozen meat. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that kind of thing. Like you, like you, and you know, for instance, like with J.H. Williams III, you don't really give, he's going to do things in that script. Like with Amanda, Amanda Connor will do things to a script that you never even imagined would happen on the page she she adds the elaboration of what you've already she adds things you know there's artists like eduardo riso if you look at his hundred bullet stuff he always has stuff going on in the background is so good so good so then that's what you think you're like okay we're gonna do an eduardo riso comic so it has to have something interesting for him to do in the background regardless of what's happening on you know in the in the front of the stage if you want to use a lack of a better term um so that's what I do. And, and I, I really stopped writing the kinds of um, dense scripts that were like everything was broken down <laughs> and, um, you know, and started using less panels and letting them, letting the artists do more. Unless, of course, you know, there's some artists that, that want you in there with them and giving them direction. 
Um, and you just have to find out. How frequent is that, though, in your journey? You know, within finding an artist that could be more, you know, self-directive versus someone that says, okay, I really need you to direct me. I think it just, it, it varies. It really does. I mean, okay. you know, like when I worked with Jordy Brene, another person, you know, you don't really, you let Jordy do Jordy. You know, the man's a legend. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like you're going to get back something that's not in the script, which has happened. I mean, I've definitely gotten artwork back on projects and been like, you read the script, right? What page is this? <laughs> like, Wait a minute, what's happening here? You know, and then, and because that used to make me crazy, having to go back in and rework off the artwork. Uh... But now I really like it because... Uh, I could do so many more things with it to make it more organic. Because so, it adds value sometimes when they do their input on, on their vision artistically of the story, even right. with no words, right? It's, oh, shit, I never thought of that. And let me add this, this, this scene, if you will. Or sometimes you know, you're like, wow, I really overwrote that. Mm. And the artist mm. did all this. I can just pull back, eat, you know, dig out a lot of this lettering and just say, you know, let the image speak for itself and really try yes. and find the highest impact point. And because yes. that's really just, especially with, there are some projects I can just write and I'm like, okay, this is going to be fine. There'll be some minor tweaking to it. There's stuff to it. And then there's stuff like I agonize over mm. for months and months and rewrite and rewrite all the way up to the artwork stage. Um, just trying to, to get it so that <clears throat> everything, you know, it's, it's a seamless experience for whoever's reading it. Like there, there is, no man behind the curtain. It's just all there. Um, I want to ask about this image because, wow, what an amazing looking image. Not just because she's in her drawers, folks. Don't, don't be sick-minded, people. But, I mean, this is an amazing image. Who so did this? Bizarre. It's Marco Torini. Whoa. I mean, does, it's dope. He does some Star Wars covers. And um, I don't know. I just said cowboy boots, cowboy hat. You can make her sexy. You can... I, I'm not afraid of nudity. I don't care. Just like do your thing. Wow, bro. I I I think you've just found my new fetish. I want to see uh my lady in cowboy hat and, and cowboy boots and just lingerie. This, this would be amazing. Uh, and since I'm a Taurus, I'll be her boo. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> my folks. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is beautiful art. Uh, well done, bro. Yeah. How, how did uh, you feel when amazing. you got this? Hmm. How did you feel when you saw this for the first time? Because I was just I'm like, in awe. It's gorgeous art, though. I was like, it's beautiful, and it's so strange, and the wallpaper, and the monster, <laughs> and the oven. And I was like, it's just so... That's what gets me, too. <laughs> I, everything there, this is this oven there <laughs> with a stovetop that has some weird shit on it. Like, what in the hell? I know. It feels I'm very like, European, too, in a sense. So, oof. Oh, my God. Then look at these pages. Oh. You know, wordless right now because we're not gonna be blessed to read the the greatness of gray right now in these pages. But look how gorgeous these pages are. Look how sick she is. I mean, she's ripping heads off and just taking bites. Like, damn, mama, <laughs> holy, th yo! I mean, you need a man that could feed you. What happened? <laughs> it's definitely a funny line after that scene that you see there. And then this, yo. Right. I love, I mean, I love HP Lovecraft. And when you did this story that features him as a fucking protagonist, kind of, I'm like, yo, Justin, 
are, are we long lost brothers? I mean, look at our shades. You're a little darker than me, so maybe we are. <laughs> Yo, talk to me about who is Madam uh, Beldam? What's going on? Why HP Lovecraft? I mean, bro, you fucking hook me like a fish on issue one. I have this character called the Road Witch, and she first premiered in Spicy Pulp. Okay. And she's over 300 years old. She's cursed by a witch. She lives in her head. You know, it's kind of a firestorm, supernatural combination. Ah, I love it. Uh, I'm a big firestorm fan, so thank you for... Uh, hey, bro, you see my <laughs> podcast, apparently. <laughs> so, initially, she's in the puritanical times, and she's in... as It's set... Again, I like to do these period pieces, and that's why I created this character, because I wanted to visit different time periods with this character. Okay. And so she starts out, before America's even America, they're burning witches and all this other stuff. Yeah, you, and, you definitely um, elaborated on that and, and reasons, too. Holy shit. Like, okay. Yep. So, and there's a running gag with the character, too, where she's always showing up naked because the, you can summon her at any point. So she's not always dressed when she has to heed the call. Man. So she's... whatever about you, being in the bush? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a supernatural character possessed by a witch, but the two of them are always at odds with each other at different points in time. And I wanted to do a period piece with H.P. Lovecraft in the 30s. And I wanted to show that, like, um, like legacy characters. Like, she has a different name when she's in the 30s. So she's yeah. more of, like, a spiritualist or something that falls in line with that timeline. So instead of, like, the road witch, she's Madame Beldam, the mystic arts and all that stuff. And so H.P. Lovecraft summons her to try and help him rescue a friend from this island that supposedly has been taken over by a cult and together they have some funny banter and hp Lovecraft. yeah he's so snarky the way you roll him he's like yeah yeah i write i do this for a living all right <laughs> i mean what do you mean i'm a real witch who the fuck what are you talking about what magic you ever done and she has like that, that attitude that like sort of you know wearing pants and you know in the 30s it was you know pretty radical about how you know certain oh. women were behaving and um Oh Which my is, God! A woman is wearing pants. How dare exactly. she? I mean, it's crazy. Uh, listen, guys, let me put you on. Apparently, we should be wearing skirts so that way we can let our stuff hang free, and, and maybe gravity can help most of you. <laughs> I'm just saying, yo, look it up. I ain't lying. They say that that we got that wrong. All right, but well, whatever. Yep. I love that story. I'm gonna put that in there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. This is how you get your slong big. You just gotta wear a skirt. <laughs> So here's like the other gravity. thing, too, about this book is that it's Ooh. the first issue is 56. This book, this issue is 60 pages. And 60? You added four more pages, you dirty boy, you. Look at you. <laughs> well, what I added was a preview of the next backup story because I was going to say what? Madame Beldam starts in issue one, ends in issue two. It's a complete story. And then issue oh. three has a new backup story called The uh, Blue Geisha. And Ooh. that carries over while we keep doing I Eat Monsters. There'll be the backup story. Bro, you got me so hooked on this whole shit. Wepa. Yeah, listen, bro. It's like, are you part Puerto Rico? Look at those Nadias. Wepa. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, fantastic. This is definitely upper Puerto Rican alley. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Portuguese I mean, artists, too, help. Hey, oh, hey, a lot of bunda. Hey, I, I, <laughs> hey, I know, I know. Hey, there you go. Yeah, hey, the, look uh, at the that. Art on that cover is Antonio Brandao, who I've worked with many times. He's a great guy, and he's out of Portugal. And um but yeah, look at these smocks, yo. <laughs> this is what you need when you start cooking some burgers. You know, is it a burger or is it a monster? Yeah, 
Or is it a monster? I would I would terrorize my nieces and nephews if I was able to get the smock and cook. Uh, you know what? You're eating pieces of Godzilla right now. Mm. Oh, and look at these monsters. I mean, not for nothing, bro, but the design of that middle one. Not that I'm afraid of spiders, but I'm not a fan of them. Right. <laughs> Holy shit, did you fucking create a scary-ass looking spider monster? Those are all um, Roy's character designs. He so we did the design. So you wrote the story, and we said, "Let me give you this sick shit here." And yeah, like, wow. give me a monster, you know, like bro. And, and this yellow one is that still his umbilical cord? What's going on there? Yeah, I don't know what that is, bro. I think it's an umbilical cord. Oh my god, this looks crazy! And look at this, spicy Pope, Lady Red Beard doing. Oh, look at that though. Um, you know, dude, bro, the barbarian. Hey, yeah, so, I'll slice you in half, son. Yeah, that's, a, that's a funny story. That's a that's a. Bro, I, I love that character. Okay, wait. I I, I need to explain. Explain, Justin. Explain. Who is it's dude, it, bro, it, the barbarian? Hey, why do I, 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 I feel like doing this every time? Sword Conan's. So <laughs> I was like, I want to do an, a Conan homage, but I don't want it to be Conan. I don't want to try and make my own Conan. But okay. what I did is I took Conan, Fred Flintstone, and the War Warlord. Oh shit! No, you just didn't. Just kind of smashed them all together and put them in a romantic comedy set in Hyperborea or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so he's like totally like clueless in his perception of, you know, I saved the maiden. The maiden gives me sex. Life is good. And the maiden's like, no, 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 that's not how that works. And he's like, of course it does. It works that way every time. And so he spends the entire storyline trying to get with her because he thinks he's earned it. But, you know, he kills a two-headed ogre. He's he's fighting wizards, which he hates. He thinks wizards are old perverts in robes. And, <laughs> he, and, and you know, they all have sex cults. And and he thinks she has terrible yeah. taste in men. And <laughs> so they keep arguing the whole time. There's it's an opinion very, about men's in robes, too. So, you know, hey, <laughs> and they may not mention which ones. Hey. <laughs> And look at this too. What is this bonus comic? Wrestling with demons, random twenty-five bonus. What is this? What are you talking about? Well, if we hit a certain uh, level of pledges, you know, a certain amount, then I'll slide in randomly into backers. You know, twenty-five different backers will get a copy of this what? the this new edition of Wrestling with Demons that Jimmy and Pagliotti and I did. What? Um, yeah. Ooh, hey guys, you hear this, guys and ladies? If you're fans, I think you need to jump on this. Like, we're gonna get into the tears in a minute. But yeah, look, I've never done that before. I was looking. I was looking at trying to do different stuff. Thank you for around. doing that. People love that. I mean, the more different you can be, and offering you know fun stuff to add to our shelf porn, if you will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're basically Justin Gray, our pornographer of shelves. Yeah. And and and, and you're making us build sexy shelves. You know, self porn all the way. This is what we want. So check it out, folks. You know, you got free rewards on top of it. But you know, if you pass milestones from ten, they pass. Twelve, they pass. Fifteen, pass. I mean, look at all this. Yo, oh my God, fractured shades and enmity sisterhood, warlash. I mean, just add it. Uh, ooh, what's what? Ah. <laughs> Painting bitches of war. What and yo, bro, bro? It's a great comic. What in the hell is this? Pretty He's actually running a Kickstarter right now. 
his fried comics is running a Kickstarter for. Uh, I love it. I, I, you know what? I don't blame her for not shaving her legs, man. You got to get the business done, son. <laughs> I've been there. I've seen it myself as a man. And uh, salute to all you ladies. Yeah. <laughs> for real, I can't do that. I don't know, Justin. Can you think you can give birth through 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 your areas? I also have witnessed it, and um, no. <laughs> he said no, no, right. Bro, no. Oh, listen, okay, let me terrorize you. I'm going to take off my hat for this one. But this is all I remember. Okay. I'm like, oh, my God. How can I satisfy this afterwards? <laughs> I'm, I'm an asshole, folks, yes. I mean, but look at this. I mean, if you hit 27, if you hit 30, we got more. With so many days to go, 35, 40. I mean, 45, you got plans, just swinging for the fences. Yeah, and I forgot. I should have mentioned that uh, Milyanko oh. is the artist, and Alessia Nocera is the colorist for Madame Badam. Oh my God! But there's something here for '90s fans. You got free metal trading cards with art by Marco Turini. What? <laughs> and look at this. You got Rui Silviera, Thiago. Brando, uh, Miljenko Simic, Alessia Nocera, Branko Javonovic, Antonio Brandao, and Marco Turini. And I hope I said those right because let me <laughs> tell you, I am a name butcher, but I feel confident. I feel confident today. Right? Everything's so. printed in the USA. All right. Talk to me about that choice because I see, at least in the world of independent, a lot of uh, creators having some trouble finding the very right printing press, especially within the states, because you know we got all those boat issues still in the backlog. How did you find them, and, and you know, and did you purposely choose them in the USA just so we could make sure we get these books on time? Um, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, I, I wanted to use. You know, it, it, it's tough because I understand and I'm not going to disparage anybody. You do whatever you want to do. I mean, it's not. But for me, I didn't want to I didn't want to outsource to China, even though it is. There's a huge difference in in cost. It's cost effective. But, you know, you're taking jobs away from, you know, our very same people. Right, And I don't particularly agree with a lot of the human rights issues. Um, yeah, but, brother, yeah, you and me mean, both. No, no, you and me both. I get that, because if I do something, it would be American made for sure. Because we need to support home. I mean, I hate the fact that a lot of, you know, not for nothing, you know, they step out for a moment, but let's support home, let's support companies at home, let's support creators from home because we need this. It, it helps our guys. That's all at the end of the day. I'm not saying it for any other reason than that. Let's, you know, support what we have here. We have great people and great companies here that could give us this very same product at the same cost. We don't need to go, you know, other places. Yeah. Um, so I use a, I use different printers for different things. And, yeah, there's no – the boat waiting thing is kind of difficult right now. It is. It is. A lot of people – I mean, uh, I don't know if that's Rob Liefeld's excuse, but I've been waiting 10 years for Brigade Number 1, so, you know. Well, I, I can't speak to that, but I do know that <laughs> – <laughs> It takes a long time for certain things to get through, especially with the shortages and the COVIDs and then China's on lockdown. And again, um, yeah. You know, it's just 
it's just a choice where I say, you know, you know, these books cost more um, for those reasons, because I can get them done here. I can use printers in the States and, um, you know, yeah, hopefully. Keep- yeah. So support America kiddos. Cause let's check it out. Let's check out. I want you to start spending money. All right. Well, I also I want-, want to say that since we have the icon there, that inked marketing has been helping me um, set up interviews and, um, you know, get really? the word out. Oh, I know that's 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 big Kevin right there, yo. Yeah. So salute yo, thank you, Justin. I would Kevin, be remiss not to say that Kevin marketing Kevin, Kevin G, you are a boss. God bless you, man. Keep doing what you do to support independent creators like Justin. Because right now we're about to get some money for Justin. All right. Mm-hmm. So check it out. You know, if you're a kind person with ten dollars to spare, go ahead and just say, I love comics. And throw a ten, but now when you want to start getting, it used to be a dollar too. I don't know somehow. Somehow I don't set that price. That's just what Kickstarter puts out there. But I remember it used to be a dollar. Well, hey, but I mean, look at gas prices nowadays. <laughs> it cost me seventy dollars to fill up my tank, bro. What gas on the cheapest gas? Seventy seventy dollars. Please, I mean, I I I wouldn't even get a quarter of a tank for twenty. For 20, son. Back in the day, I usually get half a tank on my joint for 20, at least three quarters sometimes. Shit, right now, not even half. Not even half. No, you understand me? You know, world has get better. This is ridiculous. All right. Anyway, those are ridiculous prices, but guess what? This is it. Because right now, we're going to get some dope comics. Wait, look. Bleeding Pope, number two, Virtual Feast. So we get that PDF. She won too, if you want. What one and two? Yeah, one and two are both six dollars for two comics on digital. I mean, I go ahead and go to a digital platform right now. I bet you you spend more. Well, it's six dollars for each one, but yeah. Oh, oh, you know what though? They're almost sixty pages. But but, yeah, but that's the whole point though. But they actually digital ones have more because I put a bunch of fun stuff in them. Go find me a comic book that many pages for six bucks. You can't. Because they're going to be minimum $9.99. We're talking $6 here. And you're getting 120 pages because you're getting two books. So holy shit. I mean, you, you, this is the bargain. This is a bargain, guys. All right. So now then you also got the combo platter right there for 12 beans. Then for 20, we got the Branco main cover. So when you say that, that means we're getting, a, oh, this is not a floppy. So we're getting 20 pages of story. 12 pages of as the recaps, 56. No, oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like if you look at the regular floppy, it's about 20 pages story and 12 pages of ads or in house stuff or recaps. And this is not that. This is this is 56 this pages. Is 60 pages of content. Most mm. of that is, you know, 99% of that story. You hear that? 99, folks. And there's some pinups in there from some of the co- so if you like the cover, it's usually in there. And you want that art? This is why you need to buy two so that way you could take some covers out and frame them. I mean, you got the butcher blades, oblades, depending where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got the spicy Pope digit. Oh, what's this, bro? Two lady red beard stories, one road witch, complete dude, bro. Mecca Monroe, strawberry milk. Hey, what's strawberry milk? That sounds like that sounds like something that Johnny Hughes would love. <laughs> strawberry milk is a character I came up with that I was like, what if you mix strawberry shortcake with Lobo? 
Oh shit, really? Oh, bro, why have not heard of strawberry milk before? I love it. And I'm actually a fan of strawberry milk. And I don't know if you are aware. Do you know they have? Remember, you know the mini donuts, the don donuts from Hostess. Uh -huh. Okay. They got strawberry flavored donuts now, and dulce de leche. I don't know what dulce. Yeah, this, this is what that's exactly what I told that lady. I said, listen, I'm paying now. There's no way I'm gonna turn around because if I taste the one, I'm gonna buy all the whole inventory. Right. Don't do this to me. I'll make a can that's his weakness, Dusa. Stop it. <laughs> so check it out. We got the bleeding pope number two, bloody bake sale. Ooh, what's that? And why bloody bake sale? <laughs> that sounds so sick. Because I wanted to do all these um cheesecake covers, like you know, like homages to old cheesecake covers dealing with stuff like kitchen and baking and cooking and eating hey, so it's all johnny hughes you're gonna tear this up aren't you <laughs> my boy loves cheese you mentioned cheesecake it's a wrap it's a wrap justin so there's johnny... like, if, if you scroll down where you can see all the covers there's um antonio brandau did um the cheese that's a cheesecake that the beach one's a cheesecake and then I mean, there's uh, you can still go up a little bit further because there's it, even the crab is like hey baby uh um, i don't know what you're doing here yeah that's a it's an homage to an old french poster it's actually there's a terrier or something Oof. that's supposed to be pulling it off yeah they're right there hold on let me let me bring them up. hey there we oh no there's hey. strawberry milk what happened to lady redbeard there though hey <laughs> hey, oh, I had to go. Hey, oh so man, there you there's your bloody what? bake sale. There's your cupcakes, both naughty and, and apriny. Oh my god, and then there's all, all I want to know those it taste like strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> so, those are the cheesecake covers me, too. folks. I'm just saying, yo, I'm just a curious person. <laughs> Then look at that. So you got for number two, two, four, six covers, and all that merch. Isn't this a gorgeous project, folks? I mean, just look at this. Why wouldn't you put your money behind something like this? I mean, look at that art, Jesus! I love this cover so much. I love that cover. Yeah, we blew so through much. all the Hollowfoil covers of it already. Yeah, we do like limited runs, or I do limited runs of. Of no. specialty covers. But be honest, are you sure that's not Killer Croc right there? It might be. It might be. <laughs> copyright, copyright purposes, I cannot. What so. Batman couldn't do, mommy <laughs> over here did. Like, it, it, just because she was hungry, she couldn't find a steak and shake. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what happened. Oh, and In and Out. Apparently, one of my boys went to California. He tried to In and Out. He said the line was so huge. He just. Right. He just had to take it out, but he waited an hour. He goes, you know what? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah, I mean, you got to wait that hour. Yeah, bro. Uh, if I go in and out, I'm not going to be like, it's all right. I'm going to be, this is the greatest shit ever, or this is the worst thing ever. There is no <laughs> in between for me. All right. I'm a White Castle man. Mm. They just opened one up in Orlando, Justin. So hopefully one day we could connect and just go through a crave case together if you like. Just slide right through you. Oh, you ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call sliders. <laughs> hey! <laughs> no, That's but for terrible. real, yo, Justin, bro, you're awesome. This project, is, you know, we have, again, let me repeat, folks, because this is what it is. We got 15 days to go. We need the 10 racks. He's at 16, 477. 
let's get to 500. Let's get a 600 backers on this with, with that many days to go because this is amazing. So, how many more things can you add on to this, Justin? If, if, we, if we break, like, for example, 25. Let's see, 25 gets you to the 20. Uh, scroll down because I think I have like 12 or 14. Um, Let, let's go. Rewards. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Additional. For 15, I think that's the last level that you checked off. Right. So 18, you get the sticker sheet. Ooh, okay. 20, 20, is it 20 or 23 is the next one? I can't remember. How do you feel though? Because you have, you've created over 20 projects, six projects that are loved. I mean, and, and you're kicking ass with this one, obviously. This is one of those that are loved. Uh, how do you feel just as a creator? Um, I feel I, I feel very lucky that that I'm able to connect with you know people that really enjoy what I'm doing, and I, I always say that you know it used to be you know work, working for DC for instance it was always like how many copies are we selling how long is this book going to last huh. what kind of reviews is it getting is it selling enough God do I have a job next month so you know with with this it's really just rewarding to be able to have that direct connection with the audience that likes the material as opposed to, you know, I'm making them happy. So that yeah, makes yeah. me happy that way. It's not like I constantly feel like there's an ax hanging over my head for these projects. Um, you know, and I went into tons of projects like that. And some of the projects, you know, we were given were just like, Oh, I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to be what it's going to be. Um, and so you don't feel as proprietary towards it. Okay. Whereas, I mean, I work on these things all the time. It's like, there is no day off with this. There's just a couple of hours off where I'm sleeping, um, where I'm not thinking about what I could do next or what you think about the Kickstarter. And, and, you know, I mean, this, this Kickstarter was approved almost two months ago and I sat Ooh. there and tweaked it and played with it and changed it. And, and really, so you have a time window from approval to when it goes live. Um, it used to be, it's changed a lot. There, okay. there was, there were times when it was like this and there's times where it's a week or a week and a half. Um, and there's times where I have to say to, to, you know, to Kickstarter, I promise you, I'm not going to launch this. I just want to get the landing page up so I can start building, you know, the audience towards it. Cause I don't, I don't like to, you know, I, I can't feel good about doubling down on Kickstarters unless I've got the bulk of whatever the last one is out. I don't Woo! feel great. I mean, I want to get them going. I just, but Thank you, bro. it's I'm hard gonna... to, and all the factors that are involved in that printing timelines, approvals um so trying to navigate through all that because i do you know i did spicy pulp and standstill now i'm doing bleeding pulp and standstill and standstill is you know going to be 11 and 12 mm. issues that are coming out this year and then i just wow. started the the core blocks on this thing called republic and it's just kind of like lining these yeah. things so every once in a while i have to go to kickstart and say i promise you i'm not trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to like double down and run two campaigns at the same time. I I just want to make sure that I can parlay from you know if everybody's getting their rewards and they're excited and they like what they're getting, then I can point them in the direction of what's coming next and hopefully you know transition that and and plus I want to get the books to people in a timely fashion so they don't feel like oh it's been eight months who cares you know like. It's just it. there's a window there. People are used to monthly comics, so I'm trying to find some kind of happy medium between doing 60 page color comics with you know 12 people on the book 
um, you know, because I do all that stuff myself. I mean, they, I, you know, I, I find the artists, I develop relationships with them, I pay them, you know, I put the book together. And there's like this whole timeline of me not being creative that goes into making these books happen. Gotcha. So that's why I'm like, the more money we can raise on these Kickstarters, the more the more power I have over the the process of getting the books done, getting people working on them and, you know, getting different covers and all that stuff. So it's, so it's a, it's a, you know, a full-time job. Whereas I'm just kind of like, okay, I broke even on this one. I broke even on that one. Let's just keep going. So at some point, hopefully I can get to numbers where everyone's good, including myself. So let me ask you any of these projects that you've been working on. Mm -hmm. Um, do you want to see any of these outside of comics on a platform such as you know a streaming network a film you know what i mean shout out to blind adam he goes you're awesome sauce <laughs> hey thank you how's it going yeah um uh, you know i don't really blind adam. Yeah. i don't really think about um i've been down that road and i don't like that road oh you've done that already i i've been down that hollywood boulevard and i it's very draining and it's it's Ooh. very tumultuous and you Ooh. go from being like this high to like down here and i oh, had to shit. really so they really try to check you no is it's that what like, you're saying no it's just the you have no control it's mm. i'm amazed that anything gets done i am when something gets done i you know i i know the people behind it wanted it to happen uh, to point where they did things that, that i don't I, I just it's amazing to me like, you know what that means to me that almega is not ready for hollywood or rather hollywood ain't ready for almega because you ain't bullshitting me like this if you're telling me we're gonna get something done guess guess what we get them done i don't fuck around i i i i have stories um, oh really those just, are another podcast. Comic Crusaders After Dark. One day I'm going to get Justin drunk. And uh, Justin, um, can you please share those Hollywood horror stories? <laughs> I, don't even need to, I don't need to drink to, to share those stories. Hey, I don't even want to drink to share that. Hey, I'll tell you the truth, son. I love yeah, it. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it can drive you nuts. And I mean, I've watched deals sure. go down for reasons way out of my control where I was just like, why did that have to happen? <laughs> like... So they really try to take ownership over your IP in that sense. You know, can you share that? Is is that what the problem is? Say that again. Sorry, the so is is the problem where they want to take over the IP and, and kind of just say this is what it's going to be, as opposed to asking you, can it be this? No, is that that's part of the problem. That's, that's a that's a thing, you know, that happens. No, I'm I'm talking about like having a done deal and being like at the precipice of there's a script, the there's there's candidates for actors there's a director that there's that's already done a sizzle reel mm. and then somebody goes and does something that has nothing to do with me and all of a sudden all that just goes away what because because that person made a mistake that pissed off a chain of people and that's well, what happened. nah bro let me tell you um mega don't play don't you dare fuck up my op because I will I, I will fly to you and beat your ass. <laughs> On the positive side, I will say that Jay Baruchel is fantastic and he did Oh, I, he I know that name. Yeah, yo. Awesome. To make random acts of violence, you know, an actual movie that I have seen. Um, so that's nice when that happens. It's it's and that book was written in 
it was published in 2010, but it was written before 2010. It's going to happen then. No, it came out in 2019. The film came out, so you could see it probably streaming. What somewhere. is it called again? Random Acts of Violence. It sounded like something on my alley too. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry, folks. I swear to God, I'm not a violent person, but I am an 80s kid. So, um, it's totally an 80s slasher movie. So yeah, when you give me titles like that, I'm about to eat it up. I would have ate this up in my video store. Yeah, and in, in, in the soundtrack is fantastic, and Jay did a really amazing job with it. And and um, how'd you hook up with them to do this? Well, we had done the book for Kickstart Entertainment, which is not to be confused with Kickstarter. Okay. Um, and we had Jay had the book and wanted to do the adaptation, and and he and his writing partner did the adaptation, and eventually they shot the film, and it went through. Canada, so so it, it you know Canada does things where they have um, like an arts program set up through the government where they allot certain amounts of money to do projects. So once yep. all that went through, and Jordana Brewster from Fast and Furious is in there, and Jesse from um, Grey's Anatomy. I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry, oh, cool. Jesse, if you ever see this. And um, Jay's in it as well as you know directing and co-writing the screenplay. So you know it was it was great. I mean. I thought, you know, it was, a, it was a low budget horror movie, but I think it did. And it's very, very violent. It's like, it's interestingly violent in a sense that I wouldn't, you're going to feel a visceral connection to it uh, as opposed to it being sort of like, it might be too much if you're having a bad week or you watch too much news. Uh, but, no. uh, not me, no. man. I, um, I stay away from the news. I know what's going on. I right. get the basics and I turn it off. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, news is too stressful. Yeah, I mean, when we were all trapped in our houses, we drive ourselves, you know, drive ourselves nuts. With all well, and, and again, that's part of the problem. We kept listening to the news, and many of us were driven uh, mentally insane. Yeah. And this is why I've shared today: like, please make sure to get mental health help if you need it, because you know I understand it, it, it's tough to be locked in, and then yep. you have this constant barrage of bad news. And I don't know what's going on in your lives. Maybe there's bad things going on. There could be good things going on. But, you know, it's like, how do you balance the good with the bad? Especially when you hear about, you know, shootings uh, 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 of children in a school, for example. I mean, how are you supposed to feel? No, I know. Oh, we're going to raise the age to buy guns to 21. So wait a minute. You can't buy beer until you're 21, but you could buy a gun at 18. What right. the fuck is wrong with this country sometimes? It's a, it's definitely something I hope that can be figured out because it's yeah, not working. No, it, it, it's not. Again, you could buy liquor at 21, but you could buy a gun, which is much more dangerous at 18. Again, please think about that logic. Yeah. Uh, something's off right there, folks. I just want to say... Not political, just saying. No, I get it. Something's off. Something's and I'm a, off. I, I don't have a problem with guns. I just think that we Me need neither. to be smarter about it. So Yeah, we don't need to have M16s and AK-47s at the crib. You know what I mean? A 9 millimeter yeah. would do. <laughs> just saying. Um, you don't need to you know, have that type of weaponry. You know, we're not fucking Frank Castle. Right. I'm just saying. You know, or we're not Thomas Wayne. <laughs> yeah, and these are fictional characters, and they do fictional stuff. But, yeah. so Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They do fictional stuff, and you know, and in these stories they need what they need because they're supposed to be metaphors. They're metaphors for things. Like, yeah, they're not meant to be idolized. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just stories, folks. And, you know, but but for real, let's just be safe or let's be smarter. Let's protect our children and our families. But, Justin, you have been nothing sort of amazing. Um, as I've said, you are someone that I respect totally in the industry. So, flower time. Thank you. Thank you, no, thanks, thank thanks you for having so me. so much for just writing things that are taking me out of this world. Thank you for entertaining me and just, again, just take me out. That, that's the most important part for me, that you don't have me here. You got me in this wild world with some ladies fighting and MMA fighting, eating monsters. I'm all for it. You taking me to a world where I got HP Lovecraft alive and well, talking up to a witch like I know my shit, lady. Like, damn, bro, you ain't you you ain't magical though, chill. Uh, I love it, and you're having so much fun with it. So yeah, you've been an amazing creator, you know, from then to now. So God bless you and everything else you, you do, bro. Thank because you. I am a fan, a hundred, all the time. I appreciate um, that, bro. You're you're the boss, bro. You know, uh, you know my other big homie, Jimmy P, too. So it's like mm -hmm. I think you guys make an amazing. Uh, bro team, because you guys fucking murder every book you guys touch. I mean, right. it's instant gold. So when it comes to this bleeding pulp, this is instant gold, folks. So I'm going to share that Kickstarter link right there. Please go. Bleeding pulp. Get two. out there. Back it. Tell your friends. Back it. Back it. Tell your friends. Tell your mama. It's tell your daddy. Here. Tell your titi. Everyone, yo. Everyone got to buy this. Tell your brothers to spend some money. But this is right up their alley. This is fun. This is great. This is what comics is supposed to be. Justin, any any last words of advice for up and coming creators that have been, you know, trying to step into the journey like you did one day? Just be true yourself and be, you know, as good a person as you can be, because it's it's a really small community at the end of the day, and um, you know, and support the people in the community. I understand, you know, there's there's areas for being competitive. But there's also areas for lifting each other up and Absolutely. trying to, you know, make even if it's just a simple thing of like saying, I, I like this person's book or whatever. Um, it just just, you know, a, a small kindness can develop into a big thing and can go a long way for um, for anyone. Like whatever your perception of reality is may differ from someone else's. But being positive is is always going to help you as opposed to being negative. And it's easy to be negative. I know we're creative types. We get moody and emotional. Um, oh, but yeah. trying to stay positive, even though, you know, some days it seems like it's never going to happen, but you keep trying. Yeah. JV, I love that because it's true. You know, inner monologue sometimes is your worst enemy. So yeah. don't listen to that inner monologue sometimes. Block it out and just be you, folks. And, you know, if you want to see what, you know, uh, an awesome creator looks like, this is what I need you to do. Go visit Justin's website, <laughs> the letter J, V, Gray, G, R, A y.com all right stay up to date but most yeah, it's not EY. A, lot of, a lot of my career has been telling people that it's not ey oh really yeah. uh hey yo folks right there check it out the kickstarter very important all right bleeding pope number two live now 15 days ago make it happen make it rain so we can keep getting all these extras by the time you get this, you're going to get it like a 20 by 24 by 20 box full of goodies. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I'm only playing. I'm playing my word for it, but I'm just saying he got so much good stuff on this project. Wepa, that's what is up. So, again, Justin, 
Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Al. I appreciate for it. For chilling with me, talking with me, letting us know the greatness of your journey, the advice, and, of course, the amazing book you got out right now. Reading book number two. <laughs> and with that, folks, you know what to do. Check out everything Comic Crusaders on the covercapes.com. You can follow me everywhere on the socials at The Real Al Mega. And with that, hasta la próxima. JV, later, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 